Welcome to Path of a Green Witch podcast. On this podcast, I like to share information about witchcraft, herbalism, and homesteading. Today, I want to share some natural remedies for fatigue and insomnia. The statements I make on this podcast are for educational purposes only. My statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Therefore, the statements I make are not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All of the information I share is simply for informational purposes only. You should always consult with a licensed healthcare professional before you start taking a new vitamin, supplement, medicinal herb, or conventional medication. You should also get professional advice before you start a new exercise program or if you suspect that you might have a health problem. Knowledge is power. I hope you use the information I share with you to seek the best care for yourself and the people you love. Thank you for listening. The remedies that I'm going to share for fatigue are appropriate for treating normal brief periods of fatigue that are the result of unusual stress or unexpected disruption of sleep. Any severe or long-lasting fatigue requires a medical checkup to determine the cause of that stress. Fatigue and tiring rapidly with minimal activity are often among the earliest signs that you're coming down with an illness. Fatigue is actually a warning sign of a variety of different disorders including the common cold, influenza, hepatitis, infectious mononucleosis, and other infectious diseases, as well as heart disease, lung disorders like emphysema, and some glandular diseases like diabetes and anemia and other nutritional deficiencies. Deficiencies of the minerals magnesium and zinc are the most common mineral deficiencies in the American population, and they could be the cause of fatigue in some people. Deficiencies of minerals like chromium, copper, folic acid, manganese, niacin, pantothenic acid, pyridoxine, thiamine, vitamin A, vitamin B12, vitamin C, iron, and potassium may also be responsible for fatigue. So if you have a deficiency, deficiency in any of those, they could be the reason that you're experiencing fatigue. Overwork, whether it's mental or physical, can also be a major cause of fatigue. And lastly, psychological disorders or emotional stress can also cause fatigue. Some people are very sensitive to sugar and caffeine, and consumption of those two things can also result in severe or chronic fatigue in those people. The best way to treat fatigue is to treat the underlying physical or psychological problem that is causing it. Some types of fatigue can be prevented by getting adequate exercise and rest, but a lot of people have trouble sleeping through the night for the number of hours that their body requires, so an alternative could be squeezing in a nap during the day. There are lots of different cultures around the world that advocate taking naps. Aside from taking naps, which is highly recommended, there are two classes of remedies for addressing fatigue. One is bitter tonics, and the other there is adaptogens, and I'll get into those, but before that, let's talk a little bit about napping. The Amish have a saying that a half hour nap in the afternoon is worth two hours of sleep at night. 
German immigrants at the turn of the century also advocated the afternoon nap, even if it was only for 15 minutes. They thought it was an important way to restore energy and prevent exhaustion from overwork. If at all possible, try taking a mid to late afternoon nap of like 15 minutes or more lying down. I mentioned that a major cause of fatigue could be deficiency of certain minerals or vitamins in your diet, and a good way to address that would be eating an egg a day. American folk medicine advises taking an egg a day to restore strength in cases of weakness. Deficiencies of several nutrients including iron, vitamin A, folic acid, riboflavin, and pantothenic acid may cause fatigue. A single egg contains significant amounts of these nutrients. Some people recommend eating the egg raw, maybe flavoring it with a little bit of sugar or honey and just drinking it. That doesn't sound very appetizing to me. I prefer to cook my eggs and I do not add sugar. Okay, now let's get into the bitter tonics and then we'll talk about the adaptogens. Better bitter tonics. In North American herbal traditions and in the medicine of the 19th century, bitter tonics have been one of the most often prescribed categories of herbs for fatigue and general debility. Bitter tonics are also commonly prescribed for conditions by conventional physicians in Germany. Although these plants possess a mild to strong bitter flavor, they do not have strong medicinal properties. Many of these just act as mild sedatives. The bitter principles in the plant stimulate the secretion of stomach acid and liver bile. Their reputed tonic effects may actually come from improved digestion and nourishment. Because these herbs stimulate secretions, they are actually contraindicated if you have heartburn or other kinds of digestive pain. So basically, if you already have heartburn or reflux, you probably do not want to drink bitter tonics. The most famous of the bitter tonics in North American herbal history are gold thread or coptis trifola, golden seal or hydrastis canadensis, Oregon grape root or mahonia aquifolium, also berberis aquifolium, yellow dock or rumex crispus, and dandelion root or taraxacum officinale. Gold thread and golden seal are practically extinct in North America and the betony that we're going to discuss in this episode is a common bitter tonic in British herbalism. Betony. Meyer's American Folk Medicine states that betony, or Stachys officinalis, or Betonica officinalis, is a good remedy for general debility that arises from disturbed digestion. The original source of this remedy was probably an immigrant from Europe, where betony had been used as a tonic since at least the time of the ancient Romans. In fact, the physician to the Emperor Augustus, who lived at the time of Jesus Christ's birth, listed 47 different diseases that he thought betony would cure. The herb has remained so valued in Italy that a popular expression there advises you to sell your coat and buy betony. Although betony is widely used in natural medicine in Europe even today, it has never been used to any extent by North American schools of medicine or by professional herbalists in North America. Betony is classified as a bitter tonic and it is also reputed to be sedative. The most common use for betony in European herbalism is for treating nervous tension, nervous headache, and the accompanying exhaustion. But don't confuse this betony, Stachys officinalis or Betonica officinalis, for North American betony, which is of the pedicularis species. North American betony grows in the mountainous areas of the West. The North American variety, the pedicularis species, is a sedative, but it does 
not have the bitter tonic properties. So here's how you use betony. Place one tablespoon of betony leaves in a one pint jar and fill the jar with boiling water. Cover and let it cool until the water reaches room temperature. Drink the pint in three doses during the day, 20 minutes before meals, for seven to 10 days. Okay, the next bitter tonic herb is Oregon grapefruit. The American Indians of California and the Pacific Northwest use Oregon grapefruit or Mahonia aquifolium or Berberis aquifolium to treat general debility. The herb acts as a bitter tonic. Although gold thread and golden seal are the most famous of the North American bitter tonics, these herbs have become practically extinct. Oregon grapefruit has become the most common substitute for gold thread and golden seal. Oregon grapefruit's action on the digestive system is due to its bitter alkaloid called berberine. Berberine is also present in gold thread and golden seal. So here's how you would use Oregon grapefruit. Place one tablespoon of Oregon grapefruit in one pint of water. Cover the pot and simmer for 20 minutes. Let it cool to room temperature. Drink one ounce of the tea 20 minutes before meals for one to three weeks. Okay, now let's talk about using adaptogens as a remedy for fatigue. An entire class of Chinese herbs, ginseng being the most famous of them, are used to restore the weary. These herbs and their beneficial actions were made more accessible to Westerners when Russian researchers investigated them in the decades after World War II. In fact, it was the Russians who coined the term adaptogen. An adaptogen helps you adapt to different kinds of stress, whether from cold weather, overwork, or staying up at night with a crying baby. The Russians verified this adaptogen property in Asian ginseng, Siberian ginseng, schizandra berries, and several other herbs. Although they have been used in Asian communities in North America for more than a hundred years, these plants are now popular in various other communities throughout the United States as well. In fact, you can purchase various kinds of ginseng in most pharmacies and supermarkets in America. Asian ginseng, or Penax ginseng, has probably been used in Chinese natural medicine since about 3000 BC and it remains the most famous and sought-after herbal remedy in Chinese culture. In contemporary Chinese medicine, ginseng is used to restore strength when there is physical weakness or exhaustion resulting from long-term illness. It is also used in natural medicine throughout modern cities in places like China, Korea, Japan, and Southeast Asia to increase the individual's ability to resist the stress of modern life. Asian ginseng has been used in natural medicine of Asian communities in North America for at least a hundred years. In the United States, it entered into mainstream society first through the counterculture movement of the 1960s and 1970s, and then through the health food trade and the current natural healing movement. Don't take Asian ginseng unless you are run down because it can be very overstimulating for a person with a normal energy level. Don't take Asian ginseng for chronic fatigue without first getting a thorough medical checkup because the energy boost from the ginseng may simply temporarily mask the symptoms of a nutritional deficiency or a more serious underlying disease. And don't take ginseng if you also habitually use caffeine. If you begin to experience neck tension, insomnia, increased menstrual flow, or headaches, stop taking ginseng. Prolonged use after experiencing such symptoms can cause high blood pressure. Here's how to use Asian ginseng. Make sure you purchase a commercial ginseng product from a reputable herb shop. You'll generally find better quality ginseng at an herb shop than you would at a health food store, supermarket, 
or pharmacy. And don't skimp on the price. The more expensive products are usually the better quality products. Take one to two grams of ginseng powder a day in two or three doses for six weeks at a time. Take a two-week break every six weeks. You can also buy some whole ginseng roots. Roots of average quality cost about $180 a pound in herb shops. An individual root costs between $6 and $12. So you would chop 4 ounces of the ginseng root and place it in a quart of liquor like vodka. Cover and let it stand for 5 or 6 weeks in a cool dark place, turning the jar frequently. But don't strain it. Take 1 ounce of the liquid each day, mid-morning or just before lunch. Now let's talk about Siberia. Siberian ginseng. Siberian ginseng, or Eleutherococcus senticosus, also Acanthopanax senticosus, has been used in Chinese medicine since the birth of Jesus Christ, but its properties as an adaptogen were not clearly identified until after World War II. Russian ginseng researchers investigated the Siberian ginseng plant, looking for a less expensive alternative to Asian ginseng. Both animal and human trials showed promise in helping with adaptation to stress. The Siberian ginseng preparation remains a popular medicine in Russia today and is available over the counter. It is also sometimes prescribed by doctors in Europe. The term Siberian ginseng was invented by marketers trying to sell the product in the United States in the 1970s, hoping to capitalize on the popularity of Asian ginseng. Siberian ginseng thus entered the folklore of North America through health food stores and is now widely used in every region of the country. It is important to note that that the Eleutherococcus plant is not actually a ginseng, however, and it is nowhere near as powerful as Asian ginseng, but it is also less likely to cause overstimulation, insomnia, high blood pressure, or other side effects common to Asian ginseng. Because of its mildness, it is better suited for the average American than is Asian ginseng. But unfortunately, much of the Siberian ginseng on the market is actually adulterated. The Canadian government recently examined three shipments arriving from Asia and found that two of them contained no Eleutherococcus at all. The other shipment did contain actual Siberian ginseng, but it also had 5% caffeine added. Most American products are also not made according to the specifications of the Russians and are weak by comparison to Russian products, sometimes with only one-fifth the strength. For the best products made according to the specifications of the Russian pharmacopoeia, look for a description such as one-to-one extract in 30% alcohol on the label of a tincture bottle. So here are the directions. Find a product matching the one-to-one description and take a dropper full of the tincture three times a day for up to six weeks. Take a two-week break before starting another course of treatment. Now I want to talk a little bit about insomnia. Oftentimes, the cause of fatigue is disturbed sleep. If disturbed sleep leaves you feeling fatigued and not up to par the next day, you may be suffering from insomnia. And here are a few remedies to help with insomnia. Chronic insomnia is the inability to sleep the desired amount at least three nights a week for a month or more. Insomnia may mean difficulty falling asleep, waking up periodically during the night, or waking up too early. Length of sleep is not a measure of insomnia 
because different people require different amounts of sleep. So if disturbed sleep leaves you feeling fatigued and not up to par the next day, you may be suffering from insomnia even if you slept for eight hours. Brief spells of insomnia may accompany worry, stress, changes in job shifts, or other temporary life situations. Habitual coffee drinking, even if it's only a few cups a day, may also cause or contribute to insomnia. Chronic insomnia may accompany conditions like depression, chronic pain, or withdrawal from nicotine, alcohol, drugs, or sleep medications. Chronic insomnia can also be caused by life changes like menopause. A lot of these conditions become more prevalent as we age, so insomnia is common among the elderly. Insomnia can actually be one of the first signs of a nutritional deficiency, and that can usually appear before any other symptoms of disease show up. Insomnia can indicate a deficiency of minerals like calcium, magnesium, or potassium, and all of these are common deficiencies in the American diet. Deficiencies of the B vitamins like niacin, pantothenic acid, folic acid, biotin, and pyridoxine, or vitamin E, may also cause insomnia. Chronic stress can also lead to insomnia. Our bodies have hormonal mechanisms to respond to brief periods of stress throughout the day, and at night, our body is given a break from these mechanisms to recuperate. But when the body adapts to persistent stress, we end up physically prepared to run from a bear, even at bedtime, when we should be resting. So some of the natural remedies that I'm going to share help send cues to the brain, body, and glandular system that we are safe and it is now time to relax and recuperate in order to meet the challenges and stresses of tomorrow. Conventional medical treatment for chronic insomnia includes drugs like the benzodiazepine class, which include things like Valium and Xanax. These drugs may be appropriate to induce sleep during a brief crisis, but withdrawal from them may actually worsen insomnia or induce anxiety. And using benzodiazepines for as little as six weeks may cause addiction. Benzodiazepines and other over-the-counter sleep medications can also disrupt sleep patterns. They interfere with the deepest stage of sleep known as deep delta wave sleep. And during this part of sleep, the body normally recovers from stress, rebuilds its immune system, and repairs tissues. Chronic drug use can result in a constant feeling of fatigue also. Before you turn to prescription or over-the-counter medications, you might want to try some of these natural remedies for a healthier way to get some sleep. Water cures were widely used to treat insomnia and many other ailments in the 19th century in America. These treatments eventually became institutionalized at health spas throughout the country. In Germany and France today, these treatments are considered part of conventional medicine. A patient may receive prescriptions paid for by insurance to spend up to three weeks resting and receiving daily hydrotherapy sessions at a spa. Treatments for insomnia include applications of hot, cold, or neutral temperature water. You will need to experiment to find the water temperature that helps you get to sleep. In general, very hot or very cold treatments tend to stimulate rather than sedate, so it's best to use moderate temperatures of water. Reactive hydrotherapy. As the name implies, hydrotherapy is therapy with water in any of its forms. It could be ice, cold water, hot water, steam, fresh water, or water imbued with special minerals. Reactive hydrotherapy uses cool water treatments to provoke an increase in circulation in a certain area. Cold initially drives blood out of an area, but eventually the body reacts by flooding the area with blood to warm it up. Reactive hydrotherapy will often soothe the wary brain 
and quiet the nerves better than an opiate. Some forms of insomnia are accompanied by excess circulation to the brain, such as might accompany mental stress. A cool compress on the neck draws blood away from the brain, helping to soothe the mind. So here's what you would do. Put a cloth soaked in cold water on the back of the neck and cover it with a warm towel. Keep the cloth in place for no more than 15 minutes. Next is hot fomentation. An alternative treatment that is advocated by the Seventh-day Adventist religious group is to apply hot water to the back. In contrast to reactive hydrotherapy, this method uses heat to directly draw blood to the area. So here's what you do. Soak a cloth in moderately hot water and rest it on the spine for 20 to 30 minutes before bedtime. Next is a hot foot bath. This remedy is also advocated by the Seventh-day Adventist religious group. The treatment draws blood away from the brain and upper body toward the feet. This is also a treatment for headaches due to congestion and menstrual cramps. So it may be especially helpful for insomnia that accompanies those conditions. You can add crushed mustard seeds to the water to increase the heating effect. You can also cover your head in a cloth soaked in cool water to decrease circulation to the brain. Caution! People with insulin-dependent diabetes should not use this treatment due to the possibility of burning your feet. Here's what you would do. Soak your feet in hot water. The water should be moderately hot, but not so hot that you pull back from it. Continue soaking for about 15 minutes before bedtime. The neutral bath is another water treatment for insomnia and nervous exhaustion. Scientific studies have shown that taking a full immersion bath quiets the production of the fight-or-flight hormones from the adrenal glands. So this treatment will relax you when you're all wound up. The directions are simple. Fill your tub with water that is at or just below body temperature, around 94 to 98 degrees Fahrenheit, and soak for as long as an hour before bedtime. The last water cure is herbal baths. Herbal baths were popular among German immigrants and they remain popular in Germany today. When you bathe with herbs, your skin absorbs their essential oils. An herbs aroma may also help to induce a peaceful state of mind. You can add relaxing herbs to any of the baths that I've already mentioned, but avoid using oils such as peppermint, clove, and cinnamon. These hot oils can burn sensitive skin. Here's what you would do. Place one ounce of valerian, hop, chamomile, or lavender in a pot and cover it with a quart of boiling water. Strain and add the water to your bath. Another approach is to add two drops of an essential oil to the tub water, but remember that herbal oils are highly concentrated, so a little goes a long way. Enjoy your herbal bath right before bedtime. Dill seeds. A natural remedy from China is to wash the head in a tea of dill seeds or anethum graviolens, so you'll inhale the fumes of the tea. Dill contains a number of sedative constituents in its volatile oil, which may explain the value of the plant for insomnia. So here's what you would do. If you don't want to smell like a pickle at night, here's a modified version of this remedy. Put 10 drops of essential oil of dill in one ounce of another oil like almond oil. Apply the mixture to a cloth and keep it near your nose while you sleep. No direct application to the head is necessary. And to avoid burns and blisters, never apply a 
an essential oil that is concentrated directly to your skin. The Hop Pillow Hop, or Humulus Lupulus, has been used for centuries as a mild sedative. Many different cultures around the world use hop to induce sleep. Hop was listed as an official medicine in the United States Pharmacopoeia from 1820 to 1926. So there are two ways you can use it. One, you can cut two 8 by 11 inch squares of muslin fabric, place one muslin square on top of the other and pin them together around the edges, sew half inch seams along the two long sides and one short side of the fabric, leaving the second short side open. Turn the seams to the inside. Take four ounces of hop, the fresher the better, sprinkle it with a small amount of alcohol to bring out the active principle, but not enough to make it soggy, and add the herb to the muslin pillowcase that you made. Spread the herbs evenly within the pillow. You want it to be sort of flat because you're going to place this in your bed pillow and you don't want to have a lump. Turn the raw edges under and pin the opening shut to enclose the contents of the pillow securely. That's how you'd make a hop pillow. The other way you can use hop for insomnia is to make a soothing tea. You would place one tablespoon of the herb in a cup and cover it with boiling water. Cover the cup and let it stand for 10 minutes, then strain it and drink it before bedtime. Next is rose oil. This is an aromatic remedy from the Amish. You would basically apply diluted rose oil to your forehead. The pleasant fragrance somehow tricks the brain into relaxing the body. You would want to apply the rose oil to your forehead and leave it on throughout the night. So the instructions are simple. Just place 10 drops of concentrated rose oil in one ounce of almond oil and apply a small amount to your forehead before going to bed. Pine, Juniper, and Sage. A very common American Indian aromatherapy technique is to induce sleep using the scents of pine, the pinus species, juniper, the juniperus species, or sage, artemisia species, or salvia species. The remedy requires burning and then inhaling the fresh or dried needles or leaves of these herbs. Also, you can inhale the scent by pouring a tea made from the dried plant over hot rocks. So here's what you would do. You can adapt this technique for household use by burning the dried needles or leaves like incense. Take some dried needles or leaves of pine, juniper, or sage and light them with a match. Blow the flame out and put the smoking embers in an ash Tray. Inhale the fragrance as it fills the room. Massage, exercise, and deep breathing are also great natural ways to induce sleep. If you're using massage to help you fall asleep, here's what you would do. Have someone massage you gently with strokes always moving in the direction of your heart. This should help aid in circulation. The Seventh-day Adventists believe the best way to put yourself to sleep is to make yourself tired. And I agree with this one. This really works. If you get 20 to 40 minutes of proper moderate physical exercise every day, you should sleep better at night. So you can try going for a brisk walk or participating in a sport or hobby that causes your heart rate to get up. So if you go for a walk, make sure you're walking quickly enough to feel your heart rate increase, but not so fast that you're like completely winded and can't breathe. Deep breathing is another good way to get yourself calm and relaxed enough to fall asleep. Research into breathing techniques of yoga show that deep breathing actually changes the brain waves, inducing a more relaxed state. So just take 10 to 20 slow, deep breaths of fresh air at an open window or while lying in bed. Passion flower is a great herb to use to help relax and fall asleep. Passion flower or Passiflora incarnata can be found from the southern Appalachians to the American Southwest, and people have long used passion flower as a sedative to aid in sleep. The Amish combine it with chamomile. 
Passion flower contains sedative alkaloid constituents that actually help you relax. The directions are simple. Place a heaping teaspoon of passion flower in one cup of water and steep it for 10 minutes. Strain and drink it before retiring for the night. The last remedy is actually well known. It's just hot milk, but there are so many variations, so many different things you can add to your milk to make it better for helping you fall asleep. Since there are so many different herbal milk recipes and herbal tea recipes that are great for insomnia, I'm going to put those in a separate episode. So look out for those. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me and learn about some remedies for fatigue and insomnia. I hope you found this information useful. I really appreciate you listening. Before I close out this episode, I want to say a really quick thank you again to John Shields, Jacqueline Hatfield, and Nicole Mims. Thank you so much for supporting Path of a Green Witch podcast. Listener support means so much to me. Thank you very much. Please consider supporting Path of a Green Witch podcast with a small monthly donation. It will help sustain future episodes. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.